Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, oh, the half has never yet been told. I have the joy of Jesus in my heart. I have the joy of Jesus in my heart. No matter, no matter what the world may show me, I have the joy of Jesus in my heart. Amen and amen. Kingdom Corner podcast followers and devotees. The great Matt Geib with you here once again on a beautiful, crisp spring day, spring-like day. It's still winter, but I've got that hope that spring is just around the corner. It's sunny and bright outside here in Washington State, and I just have that hope that spring is right around the corner. Uh, In light of that, uh, I want to start uh, a new series today on the book of Philippians. What a what a beautiful book to start in the spring when we have all that hope and, and uh, you know, that things are going to burst out, you know, the flowers and the blooming of the new, uh, everything new, new life comes. And of course, Philippians is full of a lot of new life for us uh, as we learn the central themes of the book, which is joy and rejoicing. And I know what we've been going through here since the first of the year is I had made a, a change to um, the podcast a bit, and I had committed to begin to interview people across the country, uh, teachers, apostles, prophets, pastors, uh, leaders in the body of Christ, because it's God has put in my heart that I am to elevate those people's platforms and push them forward in the things of God. But at, at my heart of hearts... When I started this podcast almost three years ago, I started it because I love to teach, and and I love to teach the people of God, and I don't want to ever totally go away from that, so I'm going to go back and teach a couple weeks. I I think this will be the format. We'll teach a couple weeks a month, and we'll attempt to have two interviews a month as well. We'll see how that goes, but today uh, we're starting the book of Philippians. I'm just so excited. Uh, to start this book. There's a lot of wonderful things here, and I have some uh, wonderful nuggets, I believe, to share with you today. Having said that, let's start out. We'll read Philippians 1, 1 through 13 or 14. Let's make it through 14. Philippians 1, 1 to 14. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy, 
Verse 5, for your fellowship, some translations say partnership, in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge of all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12, but what? But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Thank you, Father, for this word today. Thank you that you will use it to penetrate the hearts and minds of the people that listen today, tomorrow, and in the future. Lord, direct my thoughts, direct my words, that I might say the right things in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to start delving into the book of Philippians. Four short but power-packed chapters, as it were. And I want to, um, you know, when I was reading through this and studying it, it, it came to my mind, you know, there was a uh, a quote that I read from a um, from a commentator, and uh, this is what he said, you know, and I had to laugh when I read this commentary uh, of what he said. Full. Um, this commentator said of Philippians, it is to be an ordinary guidebook for how to live. And I laugh when I read that word ordinary. And I think, I suppose it could be called ordinary, but ordinary in the way that we are to live in a powerful, joy-filled, grateful life every day regardless of our circumstances we are in. We're to live a powerful, joy-filled, grateful a powerful, joy-filled, and grateful life each and every day, regardless of the circumstance we find ourselves in. That's what I wrote down when I read that phrase. That's the ordinary Christian life, okay? I have over here in my little Bible that I've carried when I was a teenager that the apostles constantly found themselves under the power of God, constantly joyful, and always in trouble, you know? And they were constantly joyful no matter what was going on in their lives, and a lot of trouble was brought upon them just because they were persecuted for their faith. So that's the ordinary Christian life we are to live. That's why I kind of laughed at that, because I don't think that commentator was referring to that. A powerful, joy-filled life. Uh, the book of Philippians could be called, some uh, I call it, a primer or a primer, you can say it both ways, for a joy-filled life. A primer or a primer for a joy-filled life. If, you, if, you're, 
in a tough spot today, if you're down in the dumps, if you're depressed, if uh, whatever your circumstance, if you will read the book of Philippians, there's a lot of joy and celebration here for you. There's a lot of rejoicing that will lift your spirits, that will put you in a different mindset and heart set if you will just allow God to speak through these passages, this, these four short but powerful chapters. So let's go on. Philippians is such a simple and yet profound book. The concepts of joy, rejoicing, humility, and unity are found within its pages. On the face of it all, that may seem real simple to you, you know, and yet these are deep and profound, uh, you know, attributes, are they not? They're deep and profound. They cannot be uh, joy and rejoicing can never be manufactured or faked. Yes, there's people in the world, they take great joy in their uh, football team, great joy in their job, possibly because they make a lot of money, or maybe somebody they just fell in love with. But in the end, that doesn't bring you real uh, eternal joy like I'm talking about. People will let you down. Football teams that are winning will eventually lose. You know, that's what happens. Um, another thought that came to me, and I want to read, um, I want to kind of skip around here in the beginning because uh, I had a number of thoughts uh, before we um, finish with this whole introduction. I had a number of thoughts that I wanted to share with you uh, that just came to my heart as I was, you know, meditating and uh, de uh, using this book as a devotion even, uh, besides studying it. And I, I just remembered my own testimony from years ago, some, some, some time ago, you know, 15 years ago. I, I was a Christian, but I kind of got sidetracked. Um, I was out of church because of church hurt for a while, and I really got distracted with self-help you know, the self-help genre. That's a big genre today. And, uh, you know, I really got sidetracked with that and just bought all these books and did all this study on all uh, just self-help, self-help, you know. And I still have some of the books, but, you know, God came to me one time in my study as I was studying these things and I felt his presence. And he said to me, son, there's no such thing as self-help unless you first get my help. You know, you can't help yourself unless I help you first. And that's so, so true. And I found a scripture that day that I've, you know, I've read it a lot, but it really impacted me a different way. And uh, I want to read from uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we're just going to read there and uh, just talk a little bit more about this self-help concept. Uh, verse 1, Therefore... If there is any consolation in Christ, not in self-help, not in all your self-help books or audios that you have, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. In other words, be like-minded that you take consolation in Christ, not in your football team, not in your spouse. I mean, that that's where the depth, that's where the foundation of your consolation would come from, right? Um, <clears throat> Fulfill ye my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. And I thought of that word when I, when I originally read this passage, when I was thinking of self-help, 
self-help really, you know, no matter how they paint it, no matter what they say about it, in the end, it really is about selfish ambition. And then it goes on, or conceit. Let nothing be done through self-ambition or conceit. You know, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4, let each of you look out, <clears throat> not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And you know, self-help, it really is looking out for self. It's not looking out for others. You know, when you begin to really, with the mind and heart of Christ, put yourself out there for others and put them first, Wonderful, wonderful things happened, and God fulfills you in a wonderful way. Verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, and, be obe and was obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. What a wonderful, wonderful example of um, true humility from the man Christ Jesus, right? He, he, it says here, he did not consider robbery to be equal with God. That means he didn't strive for that position even though it was rightfully his. He didn't strive for it. And in the self-help genre, there's a lot of people striving uh, for the self-help, you know. Um, so anyway, I think that's, uh, that was my testimony, you know, and I had to get back to finding my worth and my joy, uh, my foundation of joy and rejoicing in Christ, not in the things of the world, not in even some things, like I say, of self-help aren't all bad. So I had to get back to that. So let's look at another, uh, another passage, and we'll look at, um, here's another one we can look at. Verse, chapter 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, yet to die is gain. And I, I just feel like out in the church world today, there's some real misunderstanding of what this verse really means. Some have felt like Paul is taking a fatalistic, somewhat negative view because he was in prison. I'm in prison. The best of my ministry uh, is now done, and I'm just waiting, you know, to be here forever or be, you know, martyred. And so he said this, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, kind of in a stoic way. And you may, may have even heard other Christians in some deep trial or sickness or seemingly dysfunctional or impossible situation, say that verse that way, for me to live as Christ, you know, kind of in a, it, it kind of like to puff themselves up a little bit, but to die is vain. I call it, they say that and uh, in the Eeyore way. They're like Eeyore, you know. Remember him? He was always the donkey that was down, you know, in a negative way, in an Eeyore mindset. And yet Paul did not mean it that way at all. He meant it exactly the opposite way. Let me read it this way. For me to live is Christ, yet to die is gain. You know, either way, I'm fully contented and satisfied. For me to live is Christ, because so many exciting things are going on in my life right now. God was working in and around him, even while he was chained to the Praetorian Guard. Every six hours, a new guard would come in. And what, what, there's such a, 
uh, I think some Christians miss this wonderful nugget of truth here. Verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and, and to all the rest, my chains are in Christ. Let's read verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Even though I'm in prison, the gospel's still going forward. Why? It's become evident to the whole palace guard. <laughs> Do you get that? Then to the rest that my chains are in Christ. He was proselytizing and converting the Praetorian guard that Nero put there to guard him. And the message was going out throughout the, you know, the Roman army, as it were. Isn't that exciting? For me to live is Christ. Christ is still flowing through me. You know, and if there's anybody that knew, you know, and, and if I die, if I'm put to death, then I'm before the Lord, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Paul had it either way, you know, glory and bliss. Um, I, I wrote this down. God spoke this to me when I was studying this. Real joy and rejoicing is birthed in an awareness of God's goodness in your life, regardless of the circumstance which leads to gratitude. Let me slow down and read that again. Real joy and rejoicing is birthed in an awareness of God's goodness in your life, which leads to gratitude, regardless of the circumstance you're in, right? It's a never-ending cycle that just keeps going on and on and on when we're rejoicing in the Lord, when we're taking joy in Him, right? When we're rejoicing and celebrating, correct? It's not just words in a book that I'm studying. It's much deeper than that. In fact, if that's all you're doing, then it won't last, you know? I found that out, too, because I've always been a studier of things. I love to study and learn new things, and uh, even when I was not as close to the Lord as I should have been, I was still studying the Word, but it tended to be, you know, even though interesting, it wasn't life-transforming. It wasn't as exciting. Uh, and let's look at Paul further as an example here of what, we're, what we've been discussing, uh, as one that could just be a real testimony of joy and rejoicing regardless of his circumstances. 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, I would uh, encourage you to read those chapters. I'm not going to read them all, but I want to read a couple verses here. Verse 10 and 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 10 and 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 10 and 11. As the truth of Christ is in me, verse 10 of chapter 11 there, no one shall stop me from this boasting. Or we could say, no one will stop me from this rejoicing in the regions of Acacia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I he's saying, I love you. You're not, you know, and there were a lot of things coming against the Corinthian church. It wasn't like the Philippian church. The Philippian church was a, the church of Philippi was a pretty good church. They were one of the only churches that really gave to Paul. We're going to find that out as we study the book further that he accepted monetary gifts from. And there's reasons for that. But the Corinthian church had a lot of issues that he had to deal with. It could also almost be tiresome. And the first one, or one of the first ones he had to always deal with was the treatise here. There's a beautiful treatise here in chapter 11 and 12 of the authenticity that he's expounding on before them of his apostleship, how God has called him to be an apostle to them. And he had, to, he had to brag on himself. He didn't want to do that, but he had to. And there was that problem, another problem. There were a lot of other 
uh, false teachers coming in, people that wanted to usurp his position there that he had to, you know, speak out against and refute. But look at all the things also. He, he brings in this treatise, all that he had gone through because he loved them so much. You know, these circumstances in his life, which uh, in another place in Corinthians, uh, he calls his light affliction, if you can believe it. He was beaten five times with 39 lashes. Wow, and when you're beaten to that extent, that's right to the point of death. Not one time was he beaten like that, but five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned one time, left for dead. He was shipwrecked. Uh, he, he, he was in many perils in the wilderness, you know, maybe beat wild beasts were around him. Uh, he was out to sea, shipwrecked, uh, sleepless, hunger, thirst. He was cold and naked. Of course, we know all this portends that he was persecuted. And yet, like, um, like Philippians 4.4 4 said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The only qualification on that verse is always. <laughs> it's qualified by always. How often should we rejoice? All the time, regardless of what you're going through, you know. And I've had some personal trials myself. You know, we all have. You know, I'm thinking back to last summer when we didn't have a refrigerator for about six weeks. We had a brand, brand new one that my wife bought, and it completely stopped. The engine was no good anymore, or the whatever they call that that makes it run. And they just did not want to replace it. They kept sending people to fix it. They couldn't fix it, uh, what that main unit is. And they finally, after much arguing back and forth, and I had to buy a little refrigerator so we could get by, um, they replaced it, or they didn't replace it, but they refunded all our money. Um, it was quite a trial, but what you know, it doesn't hold a candle to what the Apostle Paul went through with all these things, you know, or missionaries that we know right now that are in foreign lands, right? Let's look at another verse that I thought of, and this is in Luke 17. I want to read this. And then we're going to get in, after this, we'll get into the end points of, of, of this introduction uh, so we can be done with this today. And this is in Luke 17. Jesus heals ten men with leprosy. Luke 17, 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, go. Sh when he saw them, he said, "Go show yourselves to the priests." And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw, or when he was aware, is what I highlighted here with my pen and in, highlighted in red. When he was aware, he was healed. Came back praising God. In other words, he was rejoicing and celebrating, right? In a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Much more celebration, right? And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not there ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Wow. Wow, wow, isn't that a commentary on the Christian church, on all of us at, at times? God does wonderful things for us, and yet it just kind of goes right by us, you know. Then he said, rise and go forth. Your faith, he's saying to this one leper, has made you whole. Your faith has sozoed you. 
has sozoed you. I submit to you that this one leper out of all the ten received something so much more than all the rest of the lepers. Why? Because he had an awareness of the goodness of God that had been poured out on his life. Yes, he received physical healing like the rest of them, but he was sozoed. That means he was completely healed, completely saved, completely delivered, completely redeemed, and he realized it. He was aware of it, and therefore he could glorify God, and I believe he had such an awareness of God's goodness that the others just missed. It went right by them, did it not? And that's why he went back and fell at Jesus' feet and praised him. He had Abba's joy inside of him, and the rejoicing also that can only come through an awareness of the goodness of God. Are you aware of the goodness of God today? Are we aware of it? Do we recognize it? Oh, are we just paying it lip service or, or whatever, or taking it for granted? You know, sometimes as a Christian, I'm talking about myself, you know, just telling myself, who's walked in the way a long time, I know I have been guilty of taking for granted God's goodness and all the good he does for me. You know, even the house that is over my head and the job I've had and the provision we have here and our granddaughters. And it gets, I could go on and on and on. You know, we live in such a great country. Oh, God's goodness and all he does for me in my life every day. Sometimes I forget that. You know, God is such a good God and we can never, never, never get to the goodness, the end of God's goodness. You know, they talk about those drinks as good to the last sip or whatever, good to the last bite, whatever the product is. You know, God never ends, and his goodness never ends. All that he has for us, if we can just dive into the goodness of God and be grateful, it will produce so much more joy and rejoicing inside of us. Uh, it, it, it will just, you know, and it will flow over into your life and out of your life, and people won't, you know, they, they, they won't, they can't help but see it. And like Paul in the prison, you'll find yourself, whatever circumstance you're in, it'll flow out of you, and it'll pour out on people in your metron. As you walk down the street, as you go to the store, as you go to your job, and you're going to be sharing the gospel with them, just like Paul was with that prisoner, or prisoner, uh, as he was a prisoner sharing with the Praetorian guards. And you can say, for me to live is Christ. Yes, but to die is gain. Either way, I've got it made. You know, I'm here sharing his word. There's nothing. And to me, when I made that connection with people out in my metron, out on my job, out in my uh, neighborhood, wherever I've been, and I've had some really good experiences that way, I don't have time to share them now. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. You know, nothing more fulfilling. <clears throat> God desires to challenge us to have a new and greater level of joy and rejoicing, a greater level and an awareness of his goodness. That's what's required. we got to be aware of his goodness. And when we're talking about, let's just go to these words. When we're talking about uh, the word rejoice, it's a verb. It's a verb. And it's the word karo or charo in the Greek, to be glad or joyful. And when we're talking about joy, because there's joy and rejoicing, those are the main words in, in uh, Philippians, we're talking about kara, 
or gladness. We can have that gladness inside of us, not dependent on our circumstances, right? So that's what we're talking about. Let's finish this up today uh, with these other endpoints of this introduction. Um, okay, so Philippians. Let's give you a little background here. It was named after the father of Alexander, a major city in the trade route of the world. Augustus made it a Roman colony. It had a mix of Romans and Greeks in the population. Uh, very few Jews. There were no synagogues. Okay. Um, number two. So history of the church. It was founded on Paul's second missionary journey amidst persecution. It started uh, through Paul's meeting of Lydia, who was called a worshiper of God. That's what uh, when they described her, she was a worshiper of God. Imagine that, how Philippians comes out of worshiping. The book came out of her worshiping, right? And, and, and he, she heeded, she sat under Paul's teachings. And also, uh, when Paul and Silas were in the jail, and the, and the jailer also helped start the church. You know, he, he, he was the one where the angels came and freed Paul and Silas, and they were he was all worried he'd be put to death because they would run off. And he said, oh, no, we're not going to run off. And uh, through that experience, he came to know the Lord, and he helped with Lydia to start the church. Uh, let's look at another po point. Uh, it's real clear, the author is Paul. Uh, Paul is joined also... Uh, in the salutation with Timothy. So Paul and Timothy, you could say, but mainly Paul. And you can look at these scriptures uh, to really bring this out, that he was the author. Philippians 1.1, Philippians 1.12-14, Philippians 2.19-24, Philippians 3.4-7, Philippians 4.15-16. So let's go to another point as we go through this introduction. <clears throat> this was probably the dearest of all of Paul's churches he founded because, one, they'd not gone off into weird doctrine like the Corinthians, and one, they were the most ones that really had a heart for Paul and comforted him and sent him money. Uh, uh, there was a man named Ephroditus. He may have been the pastor there who brought actual money to Paul. And a lot of times, Paul wouldn't receive money from churches because he was afraid. See, there are a lot of false ministers out there taking money from people, and he didn't want to be thought of as like them. So he was very careful receiving offerings, but he did receive offerings from them. Uh, Philippians 4.15 and 16 speak about this. 2 Corinthians 11.29. Uh, uh, let's read, if we can, well, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna read it today. But Philippians 4.25 really addresses how Ephroditus brought him these gifts and uh, cared for Paul in love. You know, Philippians 4.25 is, is a good one to read. I don't have that in front of me. So that's point number four. Number five, let's talk about the purpose of the book. The purpose of Philippians then. Purpose of the epistle. The church at Philippi had sent a gift to Paul in Rome by the hand of Ephroditus. So then Paul uses this occasion, that's chapter 4, 10, 18, and 25. Paul uses this occasion not only to thank them, but to comfort them concerning his situation. See, they were worried about him being in prison, you know. But he said, don't worry, God's doing great things here. I'm uh, bringing the Roman army to Christ, you know. He also writes of his plans to send Timothy 
Uh, so, you know, the, he was, it, it's a letter he wrote in response uh, to them giving him a gift and to them worrying about, you know, what state he was in there when he was uh, under house guard by the Praetorian Guard. Well, let's see, that's point number five. Let's go to point number six. Let's talk a little bit more about joy and rejoicing, the two main words in the book. Rejoice, the word rejoice is found 11 times in the book. I'll give you the references. 11 times it's found within Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 18, it's mentioned two times. Chapter 2, verse 17, it's mentioned two times. Uh, chapter 2, verse 18, it's mentioned two times. Chapter 4... Verse 4, it's mentioned two times. Chapter 2, 28, it's mentioned once. Chapter 3, verse 1, it's mentioned once. Chapter 4, verse 10, it's mentioned once. So 11 total times the word rejoice is mentioned in these four chapters. Uh, the word joy is mentioned five times. Chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 29. Chapter 4, verse 1. So what do we have? 11, 16 times joy and rejoicing is mentioned in the book. Book themes. Let's look at this. Christian joy and rejoicing, we've hit on this today, even in the midst of trials, the trials of life. Christian joy and rejoicing, even in the midst of trials that you go through in life. That's A. Uh, theme B would be Jesus Christ and his availability for coping with the problems of life. If you've got some problems in life, read through the book. You know, God will highlight some things to you. Uh, this book is pictured, uh, shows Christ as pictured as our goal and center of our lives. This book speaks of the Christian's joy, humility, and unity. It's a guide, like we said, or a primer for living a joy-filled life, an ordinary Christian life. What did I say in the beginning an ordinary Christian life was? Joy, rejoicing, power. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about. Let's look at some of the key verses. We've already referred to some of them. Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 2.5 having the mind of Christ. What do we have? We have the mind of Christ. Philippians 3.14, press toward the high calling in Christ. Philippians 3.14. Philippians 4.4, 4. Here's, here's the verse. Rejoice in the Lord. What's it qualified by? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This book is a good, edifying read. It won't take you long to read these four chapters. It's a faith-building epistle that will combat negativity and discouragement. It challenges us and encourages us to reach higher, to have a godly mindset, to have a godly heart set. Um, if you're having problems, fixate on God, not on your problems. That doesn't mean you should just ignore your problems, but fixate on God. And, and I believe he'll help you with that problem. He may bring a solution to you. All right? So those are the main points of introduction I had today. Next week we'll come and we'll start chapter 1 of Philippians, uh, a primer for 
a joy-filled life. Thank you for joining me once again at the Kingdom Corner Podcast. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on the Kingdom Corner hosted by Matt Guy. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.